Uh, good morning, everybody. Our first reading is from Philippians, chapter 4 and verses 10 to 23. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And our second reading is from Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 to 10. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Thanks, Michelle. Morning, everyone. 
It did really strike me when um, Rachel was leading us in prayer that uh, we do have a tendency to get a bit of a consumer posture, don't we, in all things. And um, it's good to pray that we wouldn't become consumer-minded here at church, because I think inherently, um, if you're anything like me, you'll have a, a sense of feeling quite entitled to a lot of things in this life. There's a sense of entitlement for the things that we have. There's a sense of entitlement for the things that we don't have and we think we should have. And sometimes these are pretty basic things in life, aren't they? I mean, we feel entitled to food and shelter. We feel entitled to electricity and good plumbing. Uh, we feel entitled to heating and air conditioning. We feel entitled to the internet and technology these days. We feel entitled to the blessings in life like special benefits, a job or an income, or perhaps even a purpose in life. We feel entitled to these things, and we know we feel entitled to them when we have them taking aw taken away. And we think to ourselves, this is not fair. But you see what I did there? I called these things blessings because that's what they are. All that we are and all that we have, we have by the grace of God. All these things by the goodness of God. These are God's gifts to us. And these things are so often made possible through the grace and generosity of others throughout our lives. What is the attitude that we have towards these gifts? And what is the antidote to that sense of entitlement? I think the antidote to entitlement is gratitude. A spirit of thanksgiving. Gratitude for the gifts that we've been given. It takes us away from that kind of drive to get into those spaces of more and more. Uh, also that drive to get into that special place. You may remember a couple of weeks ago we looked at C.S. Lewis in a ring and remember that uh, in each of us there's, there's, there's this desire to be in that special accepted place. Uh, accepted and included in such a way that others are excluded. We don't want to be on the outer. And um, C.S. Lewis goes on in that paper to describe the antidote the antidote to that sense of entitlement is an attitude not only of gratitude but also engagement. He says, the quest of the inner ring will break your hearts unless you break it. But if you break it, a surprising result will follow. If in your working hours you make the work your end, you will presently find yourself all unawares inside the only circle in your profession that really matters. You'll be one of the sound craftsmen and the other sound craftsmen will know it. To be detached from that sense of entitlement, to move into that space of gratitude, then in time brings us to a position of contentment. And what that requires is our discovery of God's good purpose for us and the gifts that he's given us for the good of church and for the good of community. We've been looking at books that have been written in the past that are helpful kind of guidance books. And the one I picked this week is, does anybody know what color is your parachute? A few nods, 
few shakes of the head. It's written by Richard Bowles back in 1970. It's one of those books that seems to keep giving because there's a rewrite of it every five years or so. It's really a book that was designed to help people work out their purpose in the job-seeking world, but I think it has much to say to us in terms of the deployment of gifts full stop. And what he describes at one point in the book is the posture of so many of us. So many times, he says, you will see people wringing their hands and saying, I want to know what my mission in life is. Yet all the while, they're cutting people off on the highway, refusing to give time to people, punishing their mate for having hurt their feelings, or lying about what they did. It's true, isn't it? It's the human disposition. And there is hope. See, for meaningful engagement in our community and in our church family, this begins with a genuine sense of gratitude. And that genuine sense of gratitude will then displace our sense of entitlement. And until that very sense of gratitude itself is there, so that we can then see the balance tipped in favor of contentment, then we're going to be in a meaningless circle. Contentment, even when the desires of our hearts have not been fulfilled. Contentment, even when our basic needs have not been met. How is that even possible? Well, ultimately, it comes to this, doesn't it? Knowing who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Finding our contentment and our satisfaction and our meaning in him. To the extent that we read from Paul today that verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, which is a guiding verse for us today, he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So um, if the big idea today is order Jesus for engagement, we may recall that we've been thinking about in our commitment series what it means to give all to Jesus. We've explored in the first week, order Jesus for excellence. The second week, order Jesus for everyone. The third week, order Jesus for everything. And today, it is all for Jesus, all to Jesus for engagement. Brothers and sisters, how we need the help of the Lord to align our thoughts with his and to respond in the way in which we speak and act. Maybe we could bow our heads together and pray. Would you join me in prayer? Our Father God, how we pray that you would please move us from being consumer-hearted to content in Christ. How we pray that you'd strip us of our sense of entitlement that we would increasingly long to engage for the good of others. Give us gratitude, God, Give us faith to trust you with the good gifts that you've entrusted to us, that we might seek to use those for the good of others. We want to give back to you, Father, from all that you've given us so that we might fulfill your purpose for us in your church, in our community, in our city, even to the nations, the countries beyond. So, Lord, begin with us here today, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we've got three points today, as we've had every week. Um, the first one is data-driven. Now, I have to say that I have been um, asked to drop the Star Trek reference at the beginning because um, 
Somebody said to me last week, it really is time that you give Star Wars a bit of a Guernsey. So um, here we go. I've chosen C-3PO, the android. He's the one who knows all the facts. Who said I'm not a servant of the people? To those who asked, here you go. Um, he knows all the facts. I must add, of course, so does Mr. Data. He was our um, Star Trek presence. <laughs> but in this seri series, we've been facing facts, haven't we? We've been facing facts as a church here at Fig Tree because we need to rely on the data available to us much in the same way as the pilot in the cockpit of a plane relies upon the data that comes from his instruments. He trusts the data. She trusts the data so that we don't end up careering the plane into a mountainside. And in our commitment series this month, Order Jesus, we've been facing facts as God's people. Uh, some of those facts have encouraged us. Some of those facts have challenged us. But we look at the facts in our experience of life knowing the end game. And the end game is this, that Jesus wins. That as followers of Jesus who have faith in him, our sins have been forgiven us at the cross. We have been made right with God. That Jesus, through his death on the cross, has paid it all. That Jesus, through his resurrection, has given hope of life and life eternal. Through his ascension, has come to the right hand of our Father in heaven and has all things under control by his word of power and promises to return in glory to take you and me into our eternal home with him that will endure for eternity and we have that to look forward to. And we calibrate our experience in this life in the light of eternity, knowing that we can press into the hard facts as we prepare for 2024. We press into the hard facts. We feel the pain, but we move forward in his strength with prayerful discipline. And I do want to say, as we look at some of this data, and some of it has really challenged us, that we do so in the context of 20 good years. Here at Fig Tree Anglican Church, we've seen new believers, people who were in death in transgressions, come to life in Christ, and that's evidenced amongst us even in this room right now. The people have come into God's eternal family through faith, through the ministry with which we've been involved. And we've also seen a growth in faith that has led to us sending. Um, I particularly wanted to give thanks today and focus on our 410 interns over the last decade. We've had a number of uh, mostly young people, and the, the, uh, the recruiting program is open now for all ages and stages, but mostly young people come through and spend time in ministry, and some of those have gone on to full-time ministry, and others have gone back into uh, the workforce, but all of them have been growing in their relationship with Jesus and their desire to engage in service. We've also seen growing ministries amongst our children and youth. We gave thanks last week for the fact that we have had a very high level of ongoing engagement for our next generation here at Fig Tree, far and beyond other churches in the Anglican Diocese and indeed across the country. For that, we can give thanks. And as we saw from the video, <laughs> we've come through a world pandemic. Brothers and sisters, we have survived. We're reviving. And by God's grace, we look forward to thriving under his hand. So that's the context within which we look 
at this week, diocesan priority number three, which was seeking to equip our members to exercise their gifts. You recall that there was a 2020 vision. Everybody had a 2020 vision. It was not the Lord's. But the vision that was articulated for our diocese, priority three was to equip our members to exercise their gifts with the specific goal to increase our members reporting their use of gifts to a great extent. And over the course of 20 years from the NCLS data, we've seen a decrease in members reporting their use of gifts to a great extent. Now this is not to disappoint or trouble us, it's simply to say that this is the pattern of decline that we've seen in our church for some time. But we look at this data in the context of the broader pattern of the life cycle of churches. Remember I shared with you the other week Macintosh's research study from 2009, which said that the natural life cycle of churches is shaped like the Uluru Mountain. Go through a period of emerging and growing, consolidating, wavering, and then very often into a cycle of decline. And what is required then is the impact of prayerfully and spiritually discerned fresh vision that there's effectively a kickstart under God to take us into a new direction. And then there's an ongoing process under God so that together we may walk by faith in wisdom. And as God's people, we begin this in the very word and promises of God, which takes me to my second point, Jesus for engagement. And I'm going to ask you to join me in chapter 4 of Philippians, verses 10 to 19. It begins with our commitment to prayerful dependence upon the promises of God. And here, in our Philippians 4 Bible reading, we see this issue of godly contentment arise. Uh, I just want to say that it, it is all right for us to be discontented with the data that we see. That there's a kind of rightfulness for us to have things with which we are dissatisfied and, and for things by which we are satisfied but in all of that, to have a posture of thanksgiving and contentment, but ultimately faith in God. And we see here Paul and followers of Jesus in Philippi, they've got a history of mutual care and concern for one another, and we see the way in which Epaphroditus has brought these gifts from the Philippians to Paul. Paul, remember, he's in prison in Rome, and he's rejoicing in the fact that he's received these gifts. But he's not rejoicing for his own sake. It's not like there's some strange verses 11 to 12 selfish rejoicing in Paul for the lovely gifts that he's received, all gift-wrapped and beautiful. What he rejoices in is the fact that there's provision from the Philippians for other believers, and this shows something of the Philippians' hearts. That's where Paul's joy is. He doesn't rejoice for his own sake because he could be perfectly content without the gift. Likewise, brothers and sisters, if we cannot be content in any situation, then we clearly are more focused on our own needs than the needs of others. Remember Jesus. The humility of the Lord Jesus that we read about in Philippians chapter 2, 1 to 11, who in very nature God came down into earth, took on fleshly form to lay down his life for others, not to serve himself. It gets me wondering, and I know this isn't the case at Fig Tree, but I just want you to imagine with me for a moment what it would be like if we had a whole church family full of discontented people. 
if we were all grumpy and grumbling, if that was the case, then how much ministry would get done? Because we'd all be looking to ourselves, wouldn't we? It's only when we are content in every situation that we're able to be focused on others and selfless. And how is this even possible for people who continue to have fleshly desires for self-preservation? Well, Paul says we look to the one who laid down his life for us in service. We look to the Lord Jesus to empower us by the power of his spirit to do his will, verse 13. And we trust God's promises that he is all we need. It teaches us to loosen our grip on the material things in favor of the eternal things so that whether we're in plenty or whether we are lacking, it should make little difference to us as we keep our eyes on Jesus. Paul has learned that he can do all things through him who gives him strength. And I ask you to consider now, because this will be different for all of us, what is it that you feel you need most right now? in your life? What is that thing that would bring you contentment, security? Or maybe you have all things that you need. What is it that you desire most right now in your life? What is it? And the question for you and me is, are we willing to lay that before the feet of the Lord Jesus? say it's yours, I trust you. Well, it looks different for all of us, doesn't it? But brothers and sisters, we are all different. God has given us a beautiful variety of gifts amongst us for his glory and for the good of one another. And so as we go into the third and final point and look at Romans 12 and think about engagement for the good of all, I want us to just remember the context within which Paul writes Before we get to Romans 12, of course, there's another 11 chapters of letter. And in that, Paul says, in effect, Gentile Christians in Rome, you need to realize that although you've become strong in faith through Messiah Jesus, God has not turned his back on the Jews as a lost cause. In fact, the whole gospel of Yeshua Messiah, of Jesus Christ, is native to the Jews. You Gentiles are just Johnny-come-latelys. But of course, Paul writes to them, but he also writes to us, and he says that both Jew and Gentile are part of God's grand plan for salvation because Jesus is a Messiah for all, and he does not exclude people. He has no inner circle which excludes. Rather, he says, I am for everyone if they would only come to me by faith. His offer of his kingdom is for everyone. In context, Paul writes to the Gentiles to say, you have the spirit living in you who gives you strength of faith so that you can fulfill the intention of the law as your Messiah did. You now can live in a way that every Jew wanted to live, but now you have the opportunity to share Messiah with them that they too might have the spirit. They need Jesus too. Now, just as we read in Romans about a gospel that is both for Jew and for Gentile, I can't pass by with just making some reference to what is going on in our world now with the nation, the state of Israel. 
Brothers and sisters, know this. Israel's elect will not be separated from their Messiah forever. God has his plans for the Jews. But for us now, at a time of war, I think our first call is to pray for the peace of Israel and for Jerusalem. Israel, during this time, is facing an horrendous season. Hamas and Hezbollah and the instruments of the Islamic resistance movement are anti-Semitic. Brothers and sisters, do thank God for nations who are standing with Israel and be prepared to engage for the good of all. We are called to have a vision beyond ourselves. And this is why I do appreciate the vision that we've had here at Fig Tree for some time. For us at Fig Tree Anglican Church to be a faithful, adventurous, compassionate church with expanding influence in our community, our cities, and indeed countries around the world with the hope and love of God in Jesus Christ. My question for us, of course, is then, in what ways are we individually and together growing in our influence in our communities, our cities, and our countries? In what ways are we engaged? As by God's grace we grow in maturity and move from that sense of entitlement to gratitude and to then contentment in Christ, the natural outworking of that is to look to the need of others, for us to commit ourselves all to Jesus for engagement, not just for ourselves, but also for other people. And so as we read these words in Romans, from Paul, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. He first says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in knowing God's will. In context, Paul calls on the Gentiles in Rome to change their whole attitude for others. He's saying to them, share Messiah also with the Jews who don't yet know him. Do not write them off. For us today, the first and unique blessing that we have is we know God through the person of Jesus. And we have his word. And so every week as we come here together and as we gather as our life groups and as we spend time in daily devotional, reading the word of God, our minds are being transformed that we might think God's thoughts after him. You know, that makes you and me better informed in terms of wisdom than the vast majority of people in our world. That means that you can speak truth to power. And I'll come to some of the opportunities we have for that later. But we too must use the gifts that God's given us and the freedoms that we have to serve, first, the people of God, especially the weaker people of God, but then also, as God's word shapes our beliefs and behaviors, look beyond our church for opportunities to serve others. Here Paul uses this wonderful illustration of the human body. Uh, he does it elsewhere as well. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Peter also picks up on that theme too, 
where every part of the body has a part to play. In other words, not one of us is an appendix that has no use and can be taken out of the body and the body continues to function perfectly well, if not better. He, he says that Jesus is the head of the body, but every part of the body has value. That means that every single one of us has a part to play in the community of Christ. And here at our church, Paul says in Jesus, we belong to one another. You know, every single part that we have to play with the gifts he's given us counts. Some of us get to stand up front and lead in worship and lead in prayer and reading, and these are visible ways, but there are many amongst us who do a whole variety of wonderful things to contribute to the body of Christ, which is never visible to maybe anybody other than one or two. But the Lord sees it, and the Lord sees your hearts, and I give thanks for you. And Paul says here, um, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to the others. That means that we have value in the Lord's sight and we especially are a delight to God when we use the gifts that we have to bless for the common good. You would have seen, of course, on the way in that there uh, is a big event coming up for our community. Uh, we look to serve our community with our annual Christmas carols. There's a great many of us who have served there over the years, and in fact, last year, I think we've had more people than we've ever had before. You can see the sense of, of a need for community within our community. There were thousands there. I want to thank all of you who've served. I want to thank uh, all of you who signed up and I want to say as well that there's still spaces there if the Lord moves you to join in the fun on that day. But in addition to that, we have many ways in which we serve here at church. And I've asked the ministry team to put their heads together and to pray and what we've produced for all of us is, I hope you received on the way, in a ministry opportunities sheet. I know that a great many of us serve already. What I don't want to do is overload us. What I don't want to say to those of us who are already serving in prayerfully discerned roles, that you want to add something else to your agenda, because that's just going to wipe us out, isn't it? But rather, as we move into 2024, to spend time with God going, Lord, what would you have me do for you next year? It might require stepping down from one thing and moving into another. It might be that the Lord's given you some extra time to go, hey, Here's a way in which to serve. Um, this is not just a shopping list, folks, but these are real needs within our church family. Across kids' ministry, welcoming, our manor ministries, if you have a look on the back in evangelism and mission, uh, women's ministry, word and prayer, pastoral care, uh, even general administration, site maintenance and lawn maintenance, which seem like pretty simple things, we have faithful servants who go about that business to make this possible for us to be able to gather together. There's also the creative arts team and hospitality. Can I encourage you to take this away and pray? Spend some time with God and with your loved ones. And then next week when we come to our Commitment Sunday, along with the other domains we've been looking at, there'll be an opportunity to respond. It might be that you don't get it down next Sunday, that's fine. Just get in touch with the people who are on the list. Our motivation, as it says at the top, is to be devoted to one another in love, to honor one another above ourselves. And so as we continue to discern 
God's vision for his local church, let us think about ways in which we can serve beyond the church. Uh, Firstly, I I encourage your prayers because um, amongst the ministry area teams that I've described for you as we've moved forward as a parish council and ministry team in governance at our church, our vision ministry area team is going on not a retreat but an advance next weekend. We're getting together to spend some time together and with the Lord. And then in turn, our ministry team are coming together for a ministry team advance the following week at the beginning of November that we might prayerfully discern what the Lord has in mind for us with you in consultation as a church in the years ahead. And I really do ask that you pray for us as we get into that space together. Keep coming up with the suggestions that you've had. We really appreciate hearing from you guys. But in addition to that, how might we move beyond our church family and engagement? Well, carols is one thing, but, but it may be that there's an opportunity for you to be a voice on an association or a board at one of the local schools. It, it may be that you have an opportunity to become perhaps even the functional chaplain amongst a community which you love being a part of. Um, I feel in, in many ways that um, with others in my Brazilian jiu-jitsu network, I, I get to be kind of a functional pastor or, or chaplain with, within that network. Maybe you have the same thing in your cycling group, or uh, I know that there's a number of uh, the members of church who come to the Creative Connections on a Tuesday who, who are just really the Lord's presence, to be able to speak wisdom and share prayer and to care for people in those communities. Um, b- beyond this, you may think to yourself, well, how can I be a, an influence more broadly, perhaps even across our nation? Well, we have a local member here who is very influential, Take some time to go and visit your local member and and share your concerns for things that matter. Um, I know, of course, that we've been through this process as a nation, exploring the possibility of a voice in Parliament, a change to the uh, Constitution. Um, The referendum vote was a no. But things don't end there. Just this morning, I had a chat with, with a brother within our church family about how we might continue to serve and partner with our indigenous members of our community to, to, to be involved in that ongoing process of reconciliation and representation. It may be that the Lord moves you into that space. It may be that you're somebody who's got a real heart for geopolitics, and there's a lot of moving plates at the moment, but you would like to come alongside somebody who can can have a say in that space, perhaps within our local member or more broadly, even on a, on a state or federal level. There's opportunities everywhere. Brothers and sisters, we are God's people in this space and we have a voice and a prayer and an opportunity to engage. So as we together look to the Lord Jesus who gave us all, I wonder, as we go through this process of releasing our grip on that sense of entitlement, pressing into the gratitude we feel for what Jesus has done for us, move into a posture of contentment and then seek to be increasingly engaged, how might we serve others with joy for this year ahead? The big question, I suppose, is this. What does all to Jesus for engagement look like in my life? And I'm going to give us a few moments together to privately, in the quietness of our hearts, to talk to the Lord about that.
to ask him to show us, and then I'm going to lead us in prayer. So why don't we take a moment or two with God, ask him how we might be engaged, order Jesus, and then I'll lead us in praying. we do confess that it is the sinful flesh in us that is self-seeking and we do recognize so often that we get into a space where we feel entitled we're sorry for that we thank you father for your spirit who lives in us who seeks to serve and moves us and prompts us to look to the needs of others and we pray how you would help us to keep in step with him please lord god eliminate that entitlement from us give us gratitude Give us faith to trust you so that we might lift our engagement with the good gifts that you've given us to serve others, to serve in our church family, to serve in our community, to serve in our city, to serve in the countries around the world, to have an expanding sense of where you might have us use those gifts that you've given us for your glory. Every good gift is yours, Father God. And so we pray, order Jesus, I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Saviour. I surrender all. Amen. Thank you. Why don't we stand as we sing those words of petition?